This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and on Twitch. So a very good evening if you're watching along live. Our podcast is supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we can make this show each week. So thank you as always. Uh, also, a huge thanks to Pitta Self Drive for sponsoring this episode once again. They're offering TSP listeners 10% off rentals with the code Total Saints. That's all one word. You can use that code when booking online or quote the code when you're booking over the phone. They offer cars, vans, trucks, and minibus hire at very reasonable prices. They're flexible on short term or long term rental needs, and they operate a 24 hour drop off service. So there's no need to stress about dropping off the vehicle in working hours. And if you need a van for a tip run, or maybe to move some furniture, they now offer hourly van hire as well. Pitta Self Drive is based in West End, making them the best solution for Southampton van hire at affordable prices. You can find out more or get in touch, head to the website, which is pittaselfdrive.co.uk, uh, or give them a call on 02380-474443. Coming up this week on the podcast, it was the return of the late, late show at Watford, but we're still in the cup thanks to a Stu Armstrong equaliser. One all the final score. We're going to look back at that game. And we return to league action at the weekend with a trip to Rotherham United. Going to preview that one as well. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this evening by Steve Grant, who is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda Decor is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Eleanor Hobby is a freelance football writer and Saints fan, all underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is episode 261 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC, from dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, as always, we start out with a quick shout for our Patreon community, whose monthly contributions support the show. There are four tiers, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has different perks. There's access to an ad-free version of the podcast each week. There's the TSP t-shirts and the merch bundles. There's the FPL, and you get access to some of the live events as well. If you'd like to get involved in supporting TSP each month, just head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast for more details all the links can be found in the podcast show notes and the youtube description so saints managed to snatch a replay from the jaws of defeat at watford won all the final score steve you were there today uh, how was the away end how was the game um yeah i mean packed away end always a bonus these fa cup games where you get a bigger allocation and yeah decent noise for the mo- for the most part the game itself was scrappy but open weirdly it was it was a little bit like the game in the league where we had periods of the game where we where we just found a way to give the ball away 
um, which was really frustrating. But I think that was probably to be expected with nine changes to the to the starting lineup. I think the disappointing thing was that there were certain players who I think you were really hoping for a um, sort of breakout performance to kind of illustrate that they've got what it takes to be in in the starting eleven for the um, for the league games that we're obviously taking much more seriously. And for the for the most part, none of them really showed up. Unfortunately, Charlie Alcaraz was was busy, but kept making kept giving the ball away in simple simple areas sort of even before we got into their final third Tyler Dibbling unfortunately had just didn't get the ball and there was there was part of it that kind of it kind of felt like there was a lack of it was a lack of movement up front and it felt very much like those those games at the start of the season sort of around the end of August beginning of September where we just didn't have that cohesion which I think you would expect with with that many changes but it just felt as if you kind of thought that after all this time that even the fringe players would be able to kind of drop into the lineup and know their duties. And I know there's a couple of players that are in there who haven't played a, haven't played an awful lot at all. But the ones that have played quite a bit, you you would have thought that they would have um, they would have stepped up a little bit. Jack Stevens was okay. Um, Howard Bellis had such a weird game. He was either brilliant or awful, and there was kind of no sort of in between of him just doing what he does, like. It was his mistake right on half time that almost cost a second goal. And yet in the second half, there were two or three challenges that, that were sort of chance saving challenges and his sort of balls over the top for um for players to run onto. So it was a it was just a really disjointed performance until we made quadruple sub, bringing the big guns on, and that settled us down and, and we we basically just camped ourselves in Watford's last sort of 30 40 yards or so for for the remainder of the game and i mean the draw was the draw was at least the kind of the least we deserved but ultimately it's also the result that um that we wanted that, the least that, that, yeah that neither side wanted that and you could tell by the way that we were piling it on in injury time that that we were absolutely desperate to get um get a second one and not have this extra game but unfortunately if you leave yourself only 20 20 to 25 minutes to actually play in then yeah you do run the risk of um, not getting the result you're, you're looking for, unfortunately. But, Eleanor, welcome back to TSP. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, still in the cup, the unbeaten run continues. What did, what did you make of the, the result, first of all? Because it was the game that none of us really wanted and it ended up with the result that none of us really wanted. Yeah, I mean, I only got to listen to it on the radio so I was listening to Adam Blackmore. But, um, I mean, I was kind of happy that we were still in the FA Cup because I'm one of those, like, even though I'm not, I'm only in my twenties. I'm one of those like nostalgic people who love the FA Cup. So obviously, like getting promoted is more important. But I was happy when Stuart like scored a lovely goal, basically like edge of the area. So yeah, I, I, I don't think we needed another game. I don't think we needed the replay. But I'm hoping we'll manage to sort of beat them in the replay. But the first half did sound like quite lethargic and just I don't know if it was the midfield like being quite defensive and there being a lot of changes, but. It didn't sound like, obviously, the Swansea game had amazing, like some of the best football we played. It didn't sound like that. It sort of sounded like we gave the ball away a lot and Watford seemed to be a bit more like they wanted to win the tie. And I think I was sort of like the second half, I heard there was like no changes at the break. And then I think when we did eventually make the changes, because obviously like both Armstrongs and uh, Ryan Fraser, like it just injected a lot more pace into the game. And obviously Stuart made some great runs down the left-hand side. So it was just, yeah, brilliant when he sort of brought on like the the better players, really. It's a shame he had to though, isn't it, Glenn? I mean, I had written down like nine changes was always going to disrupt the rhythm, but you kind of think, Surely we're at that point in the season now where it shouldn't really. You know, we should have players that can come in and they're they're so well drilled and want to do well that it that it doesn't disrupt the rhythm. Yeah, but these players are reserve players for a reason in the main. You know, in any sort of league game, you 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 substitute on two or three of them and the level doesn't drop because they're replacing tired players. But if you play eight or nine from the start, including some youngsters, and and youngsters can sometimes be good and sometimes be bad, and that's that's just the nature of um you know, of, uh, of being a young player playing only a second or third game. I mean, I thought Jaden Magoma was pretty decent at left back. So he, he had a good day. Tyler Dibbling, as Steve said, did, didn't have such a, uh, a great day. The, the players I was disappointed in were the experienced players who were not in the team who, who come in. You know, Mason Holgate in the first half was atrocious. And in the second half, he was brilliant. And that sums his career up in a nutshell. 
You know, he's capable of being very, very good. And he's, but, but you're more surprised when he is good and you, you're less surprised when he's absolutely shocking. Uh, and he's, he's, done, he's had both. He, he seems to be nine out of 10 or one out of 10. And there doesn't seem to be any in between with him. And that's, you know, it's another Ainsley Maitland Niles, unfortunately. Would you have subbed him at half time, though? Because that, you know, that was the, on that first half performance, it was a surprise to see him come back out. He was very lucky to come back out for the second half, but obviously Russell Martin had said at half time, that was awful. Go out and do better, which mm. is, you know, which is sometimes an effective way of going about things. And that seemed to work with, with Holgate. There were some others that didn't work with Joe Rothwell. I'm really struggling to see it. I know he's only, you know, he's only been here a couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm struggling at the moment to see anything to make me think that that transfer is going to be worthwhile, especially with um, with Joe Aribo coming back into the mix. It was so much better when, you know, the mid, the midfield, when, when Will Smallbone and Stuart Armstrong came on. It, it just, the midfield went from nowhere. And I thought Shea Charles was decent, actually. I was a bit, I think he got taken off simply because, you know, we needed a goal. Yeah, I think the, 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 you know the mid the midfield improved massively with the substitutions, and then we we managed to sort of pin Watford back a bit. And um, you know Ryan Fraser, Sam Ammo, Adam Armstrong, all the subs had an impact, which is a bit of a bit of a complete turnaround from last week against Swansea, where none of the subs none had of them any did. sort of <laughs> impact at all. But but yeah, the, the the players came in. Some some will be pleased, some won't be. Um, Alcaraz didn't, you know, as Steve said, just gave the ball away lots and lots. He looked a bit more comfortable at the end when when the when the breaks were off. You know, we got twenty minutes to score a goal, and therefore there's no real defensive responsibility. We're we're either going to equalise or we're going to lose two 0 And it, you know, and with with no one wanting a replay, I guess I guess the pressure was off, and uh, he could play with a bit of freedom. But but he had, he had a strange game, and it, there were just too many in that first game in that first half. Sorry, who who stunk the place out? You know, you're not going to have a good team performance if you've got five or six players who are making basic mistakes and we've not even talked about Joe Joe Lumley trying to save the ball without his arms <laughs> on the um on the on the goal I mean not not only is the non-wall absolutely ridiculous but then to get beaten at the near post like that and not use your arms it was a a very very strange goal he looked like a, a character from Spamalot what's is it the Knights when they're like they've cut their arms off and just dive in without his arms were you was that your end Steve were you yeah did you, see that? Did you get a good view of that um yeah I was kind of directly behind the line of it and it was just it looked as if basically he didn't he, he lost track of where his near post was did I you think, think he was he, going wide he is thought it was going wide and yeah. he's pulled his he's pulled his arms away and he's just <laughs> Got it very badly wrong. But what about any one man in the wall as well? That must have been him. Yeah. Is that on, on him? He must have said, I assume, Look, I yeah, one man I assume that's yeah. By, yeah, I assume that's by design. I mean, the, the the wall was kind of lined up okay, I think, but with only one man there, you've only you've you've got a very narrow kind of target to get past, and you've only got to get past it slightly, and you're you're then arrowing in at that near post, aren't you? It's um, I mean, he's hit it well, to be fair, but. Yeah, Lumley should be saving that comfortably, really. And I just want to talk about the um, that that depth in squad, Eleanor. I know you you kind of touched on it, but does this you know this was a real opportunity to prove that actually there is a bit of depth in the squad there, and we've got a bit of strength, and there are a lot of games coming up. Does it worry you a little bit when you see those changes made today and and, and players coming in and, and not necessarily having the impact that he was hoping for? I don't know because I like. I remember with some players, it took them a while to like get to grips with Russell Martin's style of play. So I don't know because I don't remember like much mention of Joe Rothwell. So I don't know with him if it's just that that maybe he'll get better. But I know with Tyler Dibbling, like there's a lot of promise there, and obviously like they're still really young players and they just need more game time. But obviously like Rebo coming back as well, that would be good. But I know with like Jack Stevens, that's a bit nice bit of depth centre back wise, and then Holgate. Like I remember him at Everton, and yeah, he's just very. It's so hard to predict really how awful or how good he's going to be against West Brom. He was amazing, but he's not really played because we've not needed him. I think James Bree as well. I sort of obviously Ryan Manning and Walker Peters when they play, it's fine. But I do miss James Bree. Like that would be a good bit of depth as well. So. I'm not sure really because I think we've got quite a nice bit of depth in midfield. Although Shea Charles for me, I definitely prefer like when Will Smallbone and Flynn Downs are in in midfield. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to have like a striker, I think, but somebody that's like in the box, sort of just there instead of someone that's also like the creator as well as like the finisher of goals. But 
I think someone it's just other about, than Sekumara. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'm still not really convinced by him. Really, like I want to be. Glenn, Glenn's not right, either. No. But, yeah, <laughs> it's sort of it's sort of hard. Yeah, sort of hard work really sometimes <laughs> with him. But yeah. <laughs> We're going to moan about all the games that are coming up, though, Glenn. But we do we look at this replay as another chance for those players and the squad players just to to build a bit of sharpness for coming? I'm trying to think of the positives of having an extra game against Watford midweek. Is is it another chance for them to go? Actually, do you know what that first half was terrible? We we saw what they needed to do, and and if he does make nine changes, then they're going to be adamant and and desperate to make sure he doesn't have to rely on the subs again like he did today. When is the replay? Do we know? I think it's week commencing the. Fifth, February yeah. fifth. So yeah. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be in the middle of what was already a packed month. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um so there's no way we we play Watford at home with anything other than the fringe players all playing again. It's gonna be a you know, roughly the same lineup as as today. And we have the, the dubious um prize of going to Anfield if we um if we win. We'll probably do about as well as um as we did when we tried to win the podcast awards. <laughs> 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 left out in the car park and winning nothing but uh leaving it half so, time uh, yeah leaving it half time but uh so yeah i mean the the positives that come out of it is the likes of Jaden magoma tyler Diblin, um sam Amo will will get another game you know they'll they'll all get at least 45 minutes in that game and um you know it it gives the, the opportunity for the the likes of Joe Rothwell, Charlie Alcaraz on the fringe of the team to come back in. Maybe it's a game. I don't know if Joe Rebo's back by then. Um, I don't know when the uh, AFCON finishes. Be, yeah, Probably not. Be. Probably not. But, you know, it might be a, a, a game for him to get back up to speed. So, uh, so it, yeah. I, I mean, it, it is, it'll be another game for Joe Lumley as well. So, it, it, that is the positive about it. And and there's no, there's definitely no way that we'll we'll go full strength for it because if we weren't going to go full strength today when we didn't have a game last midweek or next midweek, we're certainly not going to do it in the middle of a fixture pile up in um, in February. So uh, so yeah, and it'll it'll be at home, so that'll be more more helpful to the youngsters, I guess. It'll be more uh, more goodwill towards them, and uh, yeah, I hope the club get the uh, get the pricing right because it'll be in the middle of. Uh, Obviously, quite a few games coming up. So, yeah, it's it's another it's another game of football. So, I'm happy with it. Just uh, another another midweek of Samaris. Fine. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If the price is right, then 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 it, it, yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing. Steve, you called it in the week that the referee was going to be terrible, and he <laughs> at least lived up to your your expectations. There was one thing that didn't disappoint today. I mean, it's not it's not really a difficult prediction these days, is it? Guessing that a referee is going to have a shocker. But yeah, we've we've had Michael Salisbury a few times, and I don't. I don't think he's ever been anything other than completely erratic. Some proper weird decisions today. I mean, he's. I think he's. He's a little bit unlucky actually in terms of the the Holgate decision for the free kick. Because from from my angle, you could actually see that Holgate did get a toe end on the ball. But the way the way the guy's thrown himself thrown himself over, and the way Holgate goes in for the challenge, you could understand why he thinks it's a foul. But there. Were, but then there was a there was then a um, a counter attack that we that we started where Shea Adams basically gets gets booted in the air from behind after he's kind of um, flicked the ball around the corner. And because this new there's this new guidance in the that's been in the laws for a for a year or two now that um it's now a bookable the bookable offence is now sort of stopping a, a promising attack. Well because he managed to flick it round and we we carried on the attack because the attack that attack wasn't stopped, um the booking for hoofing someone up in the air is suddenly null and void. I mean that's just garbage, isn't it? Absolute nonsense. Um, yeah. And there were two or three weird decisions kind of later in the first half as well. I mean there wasn't an awful lot to give in the second, other than um, I mean it was it was interesting to see the roles reversed where um, Watford were the ones indulging in some absolutely ridiculous dark arts, time wasting, and um, and all that sort of nonsense. Uh, given what they um, what, what they we did made. when we were there well, in the league yeah, game, exactly. yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we all found that a little bit weird, didn't we? And um, yeah, I mean, for Watford to be doing it I mean, when they're one nil up, I guess you kind of you kind of expect it. But it was you just want referees just to get a grip on it. It's not difficult, but hey, oh, here we are. Would it be the same ref for the replay? Is that how it works? I can't remember. That's a good, good question. I think it might be. Probably um, will, wouldn't it? Yeah. 
Yes, Great. Come down Lucky us. <laughs> and just on that draw, Eleanor, I know we shouldn't be getting ahead of ourselves, but uh, it was odd that the, the draw kind of worked out where I think it was like halfway through the second half, we suddenly knew that it would be a trip to Anfield. And uh, and everyone was like, oh, do you know what? Just sack it off, turn it in, don't worry about it. But you, you think that the magic of the FA Cup for, for someone like yourself, and it, it's still there and, and you're still really excited about that and the potential trip to Anfield. Oh yeah, I know we won't be Liverpool, but like I hope we will somehow. We never seem to like get much luck against them, and obviously like there's all this stuff with Klopp at the moment, so I'm sure like they'll end up winning the FA Cup anyway. But yeah, I'd love to think like somehow we can manage to to win there if we win the replay. But I don't, I don't hold out much hope to be honest. Yeah. It just seems a bit of a shame that it might be Liverpool that end that unbeaten run. Um, I'm going to ask yeah. you all for player of the week. So have a little thing. I mean, Steve, you probably, um, do you want to go first? Because you were there. Um, I'm just going to go with Stu Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, sl- slim pickings. I mean, Anybody from yeah. the, the, the four that came on or the five that yeah, came Stu on? Yeah, Stu would have been my pick. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really not many options. Um, Fraser was good, properly motoring down that left wing. I mean, there was there was one run he made literally within a minute of coming on where he, he must have sprinted 70 yards and you could see that he was absolutely knackered at the end of it. It's like, <laughs> so, <laughs> let's uh, keep that energy up, shall we? But um, yeah, Stuart, Stuart Armstrong... And yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Fraser as my pick. I suppose this could just be a two-horse race this week. Uh, Glenn, any names you want to chuck in? Um, the only one, yeah, one of the. I thought Jaden Magoma had a good game. I'd, I'd chuck him in there. And Sam Ammo when he came on, I think it's worth worth a mention. I know he he came on and what was a perfect, you know, with a perfect brief for him, which is don't worry about defending, just try and make something happen. And if you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And I, I thought he was excellent when he came on. So, uh, yeah, I'd say I'd uh, big up the two youngsters. But, uh, yeah, I mean, really, it's um, Stuart Armstrong or Fraser are the two that uh, that stand out for this week, I think. Anybody you want to add to the list, Eleanor, the, the bit that you caught? Anybody you want to uh, chuck in? Or is it is it going to be Stuart Armstrong? I think it probably should be Stuart, really. I don't say Jack Stevens, but, like, not really as, like, the best player just because he was, like, Showed good leadership in the second half and made yeah. like some good interceptions, but surely it's just Stuart, really. <laughs> and I must just say, you you missed um, some of the game. Where were you today? And what were you you doing? Because it sounded a bit more exciting than me sat at home listening to it on the radio. Oh, I just I did the St Mary's tour, so that that was it. Yeah, stupidly instead of going to the game, but yeah. <laughs> but but how was it? Uh, is it is it worth doing? I, I did it a very long time ago, and uh, you can see the prison cell where some guy from Sunderland yeah. kicked the door in. That's how long ago it was. I don't know if they've replaced the door or not. Was it was it worthwhile? Was it good? Yeah, it was good. Like I got it as a birthday present, so I was just like mainly going around the hospitality suites that are very expensive. But yeah, it was nice. Nice to see some actual like trophies obviously mainly the FA Cup that we've won as well so yeah it was not nice place yeah it is, it is a bit of a myth that there's nothing in the trophy cabinet there's a there's a couple yeah. of little bits in there a few <laughs> lots of pennants if I remember rightly so. mm, yeah <laughs> and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right. Back in October, we drew one all at home against Rotherham. And it's fair to say that was a frustrating afternoon all round. Uh, This weekend, it's the return fixture. Glenn, if you cast your mind back, that game, I think, was three into the unbeaten run at the time. Um, Although we didn't know that. With the benefit of hindsight, you look back and go, okay. At the time... There was quite a bit of anger after that game, wasn't there? That was a, a really frustrating oh. afternoon. Yeah, I think pe- people weren't fully bought into the the Russell Martin sort of like way of football. There was quite a lot of dissent in the stands, and it was one of those games where 
from what I remember, we played brilliantly for the first 20 minutes and pulled them all over the place and scored. And then we had 20 minutes of walking football where we just didn't do anything um, and just passed the ball around. And we had 99% possession probably, but just passed the ball around. And then we made a mistake at the back where I think Harwell Bellis didn't get enough distance on a header. And Bazunu, for reasons unknown, was 20 yards out. And they had Jordan Hugo had one one shot. It was that lob, and, and, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, and it lobbed, and it was literally the only time that Rotherham really got into a half. It was it was ridiculous, um, and it's a game that I think has haunted Russell Martin ever since because he's. I mean, he was, he's still bringing it up like two months <laughs> later. He was, and and uh, because I think it was it's it was everything against you know his whole ethos, which is. You know, he wants us to dominate possession, so we win games deservedly. You know, that was that's his whole thing, and and he, I think that really offended him that Rotherham managed to um, nick a point having had one shot. However, at the time, as I say, no one, no, not everyone had sort of like bought into to uh, Russell's way of doing things, and so that the, there was a lot of frustration that we had basically passed the ball around without going anywhere. Then let in a goal, and then we went into panic mode when it went one-one. And when you're when you're trying to force it too much, it it never really happens. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a frustrating day, and um, and it was at a time when we we were dropping quite a few points at home. We hadn't, I mean, since then, have we won every home game since then? Yeah, yeah, we must have. I think done, we yeah. have. Yeah. So, but again, it, it's like the four game unbeaten, uh, four game losing run. It um, it serves a purpose in that it it teaches you things. And, and since then, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I've been impressed with with Russell Martin is that he's shown an ability to learn from, you know, from, from the bad times. And it's not just, it's not just the four games. I think that, that, that uh, Rotherham game where we, we basically chucked two points in the bin taught him a lot. And, and now we, we are much more likely to keep the foot on the throat and go for the second goal, especially at home. And the Swansea game last week was the, the first time we'd kind of done it away from home. And that's why that, you know, this game coming up, um, even though Rotherham have had some, some success against some of the better teams in the division, um, I assume by, you know, parking the bus and then offering a sporadic threat like they did at, like they did at St Mary's, I, um, I'm sort of like quite confident that we'll have the tools to, um, to deal with that this time. And if we get, a, if we get the first goal, which we tend to do, we will, you know, try and push home that advantage and not um, and not just sit back on it and uh, go passive. So uh, yeah, quite quite looking forward to this one. At the end of the day, even though they've had good results against um, against some of the good teams, they are flat last in the league. So we, we obviously should have too much for them, and that's what we should be focusing on, and and not the fact that they got a good result against. Was it Leeds? They got a decent result against. Uh, yeah, I think they drew with Ipswich as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Eleanor, you were at the Swansea game, I think, weren't you? So another away game. We talked um, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about needing to to turn it on and, and score more than than one goal away from home. Um, you must have first of all been delighted with what you saw at Swansea, but um, if we can kind of replicate that and get a good start, then we're we're going to make up for that drawback in in October. Oh yeah, definitely. Because I remember like that game, we just didn't put away our chances. But I know like since then we definitely improve with that like we've been much more clinical and definitely the Swansea game as well because when we did concede which is just a bit of a mess I think was it Flynn Downs scored like moments after that so it was good to like have like a quick response and just like some of the best football we've played because it was just so like fluid and everyone knew where they were on the pitch and everyone just seemed like so confident in like the way we were playing so I think um the game against Middlesbrough Rotherham had, I think I remember, because they drew one all. Mm. I think they were quite like resilient. So I think basically we just have to put away our chances, really. Like, because I think Middlesbrough had a lot of chances and then just Rotherham were just good at like sort of keeping them out. So I think as long as we don't do what we did last time, because I, I was also listening to Russell Martin's interview on, I think it was Monday Night Club or something last week yep. on Five Live. And like, I remember him saying like he was so frustrated with all the points we've dropped and that we just needed to obviously like convert more draws into wins. And I think definitely like we can't really afford to, especially being one point off Ipswich, can't really afford to like draw against the 
side that are bottom of the table. So I think Glenn touched on it though, Steve. I mean, they've put some decent draws against teams that you necessarily wouldn't expect them to. You'd expect Leeds and, and Ipswich to get a, a win there and us to a certain extent. But um, for them, I don't think draws are enough, are they? They're in a bit more trouble now than they were back in October and, and they've changed the manager too. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're a little bit adrift now. Um, I think ten points, but ten points off QPR now. So um, yeah, there's a sizable, sizable gap, and you you struggle to see where a side with the resources that Rotherham have, have got, or well, or don't have, more appropriately, to be able to close that gap. I mean, I think you can you can easily imagine that any one of QPR, Stoke, maybe I can't even think who else who else is kind of just hovering uh, Huddersfield, probably one of those. You can kind of see any of those teams kind of going on a run of not of picking up like no wins in 10 or whatever, but you can't see Rotherham on the flip side, winning three, the three or four games in a month that are going to, that's going to close the gap to anything meaningful. So yeah, I think they're, they're in kind of almost in damage limitation mode at the moment, you think, but they're quite happy to bloody some noses. And as you say, they've drawn, so they've drawn at home with Leeds, drawn at home with Ipswich, Leicester needs a 93rd minute winner there. Um, they've beaten Middlesbrough at home. They've drawn away with Middlesbrough and obviously drawn away at St Mary's. So against the better sides, they basically collected most of their points. Um, <laughs> so it's not going to be a it's not going to be a walk in the park, or at least in theory, it's not going to be a walk in the park. But if we go there and we start the game in the way that we started against Swansea, albeit Rotherham clearly aren't going to play as open as Swansea did, mm. then we should be able to blow them away. But it's it's easy sitting here saying it um, six days before the proof of the pudding is going up there and you, and I mean Yorkshire weather likely to be cold could be raining could be windy all of a sudden the conditions kind of level make make the game a little bit of a leveler and um, and you never they never quite never quite know how it's going to pan out but you'd like to think now that we're now in that sort of in that zone of just knowing how to get how to get it done and that's that's going to be the big that's going to be the big thing I think I did say it would be frustrating if the unbeaten run came to an end at Liverpool but it would be even worse in hindsight um, if it was <laughs> against Rotherham away when I mean that would really like stick in your throat Glenn was this the one which led to that top secret fans forum afterwards where they had all the powerpoints out to explain the the style of play and there was that kind of call for for patience I, I seem to think it was did they, they say it wasn't as a result of that game? They planned to do it anyway, but it was around that sort of time, wasn't it, where there was that bit of bit of a wobble and, and people weren't convinced about that. that was start. it after Middlesbrough, maybe? I can't remember if it was. No, the Rotherham game had happened uh, because that was mentioned quite a lot in um, the um, in the presentation itself. So we'd already had the win against Leeds and the win away at Stoke with Stuart Armstrong's free kick, and then we played Rotherham. And um, and and drawn that game, and there, there may have been another one after that. Is it Preston? But, uh, there was, yeah, was, maybe. When, when, Although, um, yeah, when Bazunu scored or Bazunu's header, nearly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean that the, the Rotherham game did make up quite a lot of um, Russell Martin's speech. I, I don't know if he intended it to, but it, it was obviously something that was playing on his mind. So he kind of he kind of started off explaining how we, uh, you know, always try and find the spare man and and stuff like that. All, fair, all fairly sort of obvious stuff, and then uh, yeah, he went off about how Rotherham had one shot, and and, and that was it. And it, it was obviously clearly bothering him. So, uh, and it it actually served it actually served a you know a decent purpose to explain how you know that won't happen more often than not. That will not happen. And mm. if we play the way we play and we we do it well, then then we won't we won't lose. Um, Drop points in in games like that. So uh, and since then it's it's been it's been proved to be right. Yeah, we've had a couple of draws where we've come away thinking that we should have um, we should have won the game, but not not really for the same reasons. Usually it's been individual mistakes that have that have cost us a goal. That have you know like Watford away in the league was was you know we were we were going to see that one out one nil, and then the sort of double mistake at the end cost us. So. Yeah, we haven't we haven't repeated the Rotherham mistake, and um, and hopefully we won't uh, we won't do it uh, th- this weekend. But I think the uh, yeah, it was definitely it's definitely something that Russell used as a an illustration point to uh, at that uh, fans forum meeting. 
you think, Eleanor, any of the, the cup starters room with a shout of, of playing? We're, we're heading into that busy time of the year now. Do you think it would be ended up with the same team that started the, the Swansea game? There's, there's, there's nothing that's really stood out today, was there, that makes anybody um, a nailed-on start for, for the weekend? No, I know I probably should not play like as strong a team, I guess, theoretically, because obviously they're bottom of the league. But I think definitely the team that started against Swansea should play because I, I still like get so worried when you play a team like that that sort of need points. Because obviously I remember like last season for us, we seemed to be better at getting points off like Man United and I can't remember now Arsenal, obviously, like that game. But it, then sort of getting points like around us. So I think probably just playing the strongest team because, I mean, Charlie's kind of like not as kind of like doesn't take his chances sometimes. So I think just sticking with like the midfield that we stuck with and obviously Fraser and Adam Armstrong and Shea Adams, like I think it all just is fine really. <laughs> doesn't sort of need changing, yeah. I'm going to ask you all for some score predictions as we always uh, finish the little preview pieces with um, Steve. Just um, same question for you, I guess, first as well. Nobody really stood out from the, the cup at the weekend. There's no one going to be knocking on his door on Monday saying, I need to start. I mean, if they if they do, they're, they're very optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought so. And I think actually that's probably part of the reason for the kind of disjointed performance. I think there's I think there is a recognition that now there is basically more or less a set in stone starting 11 when everyone's fit and available. Yeah. Which is good in that we've got a settled team and that everyone knows their jobs and it's working really well and we're getting loads of really good results. But it does, you do obviously have the flip side that then the players that aren't in that team know that they're not in, they're not getting in the team. And I think there's probably a psychological sort of slight reduction in um in motivation and performance levels when when they do get a chance in in a game like this where i mean if you pay, you're making nine changes you're sending out a fairly strong signal that actually you're not you're not really that bothered about this game lads so yeah i think realistically the the 11 yeah as i say barring barring fitness and suspension or someone coming in at some at some game in the not too distant future and doing something out of the ordinary yeah we we could basically name our 11 for next Saturday right now I think yeah I, I think it's we're in we're in that situation now where you're gonna try and play that same 11 all the time it's gonna get difficult next month when we've got a load of midweek games and obviously we've we've tended to make four or five changes for those games with limited um limited kind of performance benefit from it so yeah we have to see what what happens in those games but I would imagine this one it will be full strength if the game is if the game is done early doors if we if we do manage to put it to bed quickly then you can you can look at interchanging some of these players with a view to maybe naming a slightly stronger side in the in the Watford replay that's the that's kind of the the carrot on on offer for for Russell Martin is that you can you can ro- you can actually do some rotation in these league games as well as um as well as the cup games and it's relatively low risk so yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, the one thing I'm slightly concerned about is that they've basically got the highest rated keeper in the league. Um, Victor Johansson, if you look at like who scored ratings, they tend to give like a rating out of 10 based on sort of Opta stats and stuff. He's by far the best goalkeeper in the league. I mean, obviously it's because he's the, he's the busiest, but if if you've got a goalkeeper of, of that standard, and we saw it at St. Mary's, he was brilliant. Yeah. And if you've got a keeper that's that good, you can kind of, I mean, kind of almost doesn't matter what what useless um, non-entities you've got in front of him. If he's saving everything, then all of a sudden everyone just gets frustrated and you start panicking, which is what mm. we did in, in the home game. Um, so that's that's my, to be honest, that's my only concern, I think. I can feel like he hit it too well coming on, Glenn, and that worries me a little bit with these good days. <laughs> Listen out for that in the commentary. Right, let's do score predictions. Eleanor, would you like to go first? Score prediction, please, for the uh, the Rotherham game. I don't know. I'll say 2-0 because I'd probably be more optimistic, but I don't know why I feel a bit nervous for some stupid reason. So I'll just, just go for 2-0, yeah. Uh, Glenn? 3-0 uh, win. 3-0 win. Yeah, and no the... dramas. Get the job done. Going four, we got two, three, maybe four. Um, ooh, well, I actually got it right this week. I actually got one, yeah! got one, one, one against Watford, so I might oh, no. even be off the bottom. Um, I'm last now. What is it they say about a monkey in a typewriter? Or no, yeah. the stop uh, clock, isn't it? Even a stop clock, clock is, is the right time twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I can't get it right um, two weeks in a row, surely. But um, yeah, why, why not? Let's let's go for something silly. 4-1. 4-1. Right. Okay, nice one. If you're watching live, by the way, don't forget to put all your predictions into the comments as well. A couple of other bits. Just want to touch on the, the January transfer window, which I think is uh, it's Thursday night at 11 o'clock. Um, the transfer window closes. Bit of news this week. Glenn, one which was a bit disappointing, I think, was Kamari Doyle, uh, who's transferred to to Brighton, an academy product, 18 years old. Uh, I think it was two senior appearances that he made, uh, obviously a regular for the, the under-21s, but not able to get enough first-team football here, so goes to Brighton. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you kind of read that and you're like, it's just a load of nonsense, right? But we wish him well. Well, as I frequently said, when players leave, they're dead to me, basically. So I don't really care how he does, to be honest. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, game time assurances, I read. I mean, no club and certainly Brighton are not going to be saying, we'll guarantee you 20 games before the end of the season. It's just utter rubbish. So I don't know when he thought, he was going to play exactly because he's been injured since September. So he's basically only had probably about three weeks of Russell Martin's time here. So is he talking about playing under Ruben Sellers in that car crash at the tail end of last season? I, I don't know. Basically, his, his reasoning doesn't really matter. He wants to go. He's made up his mind. He wants to go. See you later. We've got apparently a decent fee out of it. When I've seen him play, I saw him because he played at Brighton last season. And I assume it was the Rotherham game he played, not Rotherham, um, Gillingham game Mm, he played at the start of this season. And I've seen him play one age group game. And to be honest, he looks, he looks a million miles away from being ready for sort of first team football. He looked, he looked very lightweight. So whether he's been, whether there's advisors in his ear or, you know, whether he's, whether he's been tapped up, whatever, it, it doesn't really matter. He's, he's gone. It sounds very similar to the Jimmy J Morgan one. In the, I mean, he, what did what did Jimmy Joe Morgan say? He's, he he um, thought he'd get more first team football at Chelsea, which is just hilarious. I mean, it's it's slightly less hilarious than that one, but it's. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say he decided a while ago that he wanted to go. Um, it's disappointing when you've uh, I don't know how long he's been at the club. I think it's quite a long time. It's disappointing when when people want to go, but you know, they there you go. We just got to um, shrug our shoulders and get on with it. Would it have made any difference if we were still in the Premier League? It it might have done, but then the way things are going, we could well be back in the Premier League in three or four months. So I'm not really having that as an excuse either. You just mm-hmm. you 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 wait and um, and see what happens if that's what you want to do. But bottom line is, he wants to go. See you later. All the best. And um, I'd rather focus on Tyler Dibbling, Sam Ammo, and Jaden McGoma, who um, who clearly at this moment in time want to be here. Steve, another couple of names that have been linked this week. The guy from Coventry, uh, is it Callum O'Hare, uh, the yeah. the winger? You're you're not convinced about that one, though, are you? It just, it just feels like there's a bit of two and two equals five going on because I think he's out of contract in the summer, and obviously we're in the hunt for for going up. And you would think that he's probably got his eye on a Premier League move. So taking a sideways step for well. A, maybe half a step up in terms of going from sixth to third is potentially a good career move for him. But I kind of, it just doesn't feel right. I mean, like the talk is 15 million quid. The guy's got six months left on his contract. We're not, do we have 15 million quid to spend within the current financial fair play restrictions? Given everything that's been said over the last six to eight months in terms of how the sales in the summer we're basically rectifying the obviously rectifying the god awful mistakes of the year before, um, but also that we needed to to make those sales in order to free up some money to then bring in the players that that we need, and and yet we're kind of on on the on the edge of that that boundary, I think. So dropping fifteen million quid in January seems just doesn't seem like remotely what we're what we're likely to do for a guy who yeah i mean by he's looked he looked he looks very good in that coventry team but it's a coventry team that is set up basically around the way that he plays and i don't think for for all the world that that we're going to change the way that we play to to fit to accommodate him and he's also unproven at the level above i mean i know that that's kind of our 
our us our usp in the past has always been well we'll we'll give you the opportunity that a lot of a lot of other clubs won't but i would i mean certainly in terms of this this week i'd be absolutely amazed if we dropped that sort of money on on anybody yeah Alfie, who is heading back from Watford as we speak, asked Russell Martin what um, supporters can expect ahead of the deadline next week. And he says, uh, this is the quote, he said, I hope that we add one more player to the squad and that we don't lose any of ours. We're going to have to wait and see. It's the hope that kills you. (laughs) Ellen, the just final word on the the transfer window. It closes, as I said, I think 11 o'clock on Thursday. What would you like to see? Is there there somebody you'd like to see come in or is it more about who we can keep hold of? I don't know. I don't know if it's just because it's January, but I... I have zero ideas for specific players I'd want, but I think, like I said, just someone that's like a goal scorer but hangs around in the in the box, really. But I know we've got links with I can't remember his name, the Burnley winger. Oh, Benson. Yeah, and I again I feel really like silly. I don't really know anything about him, despite actually watching a few Burnley games. So yeah, if he's good, then it'd be good. He doesn't to get play. That's why. Oh, there you go. So that's not good. <laughs> Do you think for us, no, it's more about who we can keep hold of? And if we if we can get yeah. to 11 o'clock and, and Carl Walker-Peters is still here, then that's a win. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I would have preferred Teller to have stayed really than to have gone for this guy, but it is what it is. I mean, I don't really want Walker-Peters to leave or anyone like that to leave. That would just be awful. And then I don't, I don't know what we do with that position anyway. So, yeah, I hope more than anything that we don't have any problems really I mean I think I'm not massively bothered about Shea Adams because it's just so I get so fed up with Shea Adams like with how inconsistent he is and then obviously when the transfer window's open he seems to be more consistent but yeah apart from that I don't I don't really want anyone to leave really so a nice quiet evening is, I think, uh, mm. is what we're all kind of hoping for. That's what we're saying. Steve, the women's team today had a win at, at Sheffield United. They're still in with a shout, but it, it's going to kind of go down to the wire with that promotion push. Yeah, it's a ridiculous top of the table, really. I think there's five points between first and fifth, and the teams in fourth and fifth have both got a game in hand on three above. So, yeah, you can kind of throw a bit of a net over all five of them, and there's, there's very little between them. It's going to be down to who who's a bit more consistent in the running. And actually, it's probably more a case of who doesn't slip up against the against the bottom half teams, because um, that's often been our problem. Like, I mean, this season we've already lost at um, London City Lionesses, who are third bottom. Uh, we lost, at, lost to Durham in the last minute up there as well, who were bottom half. So those are the, the slip-ups that will, that will end up costing us, if anything. Um, but I think the next three are against teams around us. So I think if you come out of those three with five or more points, then I think you've you give yourself a bit of a bit of a platform. But I think I think Palace are the ones to look out because they're the they're the ones that can just score a lot of goals. Um, we kind of we seem to have gone back into our shell of only being able to score one or two a game, which ultimately against the better sides might not be enough. Um, but we'll see. It's yeah. it's yeah, it's going to be interesting. Eleanor, for those that follow you on social media, um, they might have been a little bit surprised to see that you wrote a piece about Mal Blythe. And I just wanted to, to touch on that as well while we've got you on. Obviously, part of the, the FA Cup winning team um, passed away, I think, earlier this month. What what inspired that for you? Because that was um, a really interesting piece about somebody who is, is not often the, the first name when you talk about that that team from 76 that comes to mind. Um, I think I just didn't really know much about him, to be honest. So I just wanted to like actually find out what he was like like as a player really and yeah I mean I sort of like like old-fashioned like really tough defenders so and I didn't realize that we went on I think it was 16 or something unbeaten yeah, it was a run 16 game unbeaten run so yeah and mm. I, I didn't realize that either so I thought oh perfect you know like I need to sort of like figure this out you know what happened and there was seemed to be like a lot of changes at uh centre-back partnership that season and like a lot of rotation really so it was just interesting really finding finding out about him and sort of what he was like at Palace as well and the fact that he was just so like loyal to all his clubs and and also like the fact that that FA Cup team basically just completely believed they could win the FA Cup like from the beginning of the the run really and they all had so much confidence which like be nice if that happened in the future really because I'd love us to win another major trophy and sort of prove ourselves a bit more and it was just good that they seemed to just really believe in themselves really especially against Man United because we were also in the the second division back then so 
yeah, it was just just really interesting finding out about it. Yeah. It's a great read, and there's some great pictures in there of the the squad mm. uh, off duty in '76. You got like Nick Holmes in the worst tank top that I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, so, so some of the, the the fashion and stuff. So a really nice trip down memory lane, and and worth looking out. There is the other thing I wanted to talk about earlier this month. Um, they announced the plans to introduce some safe standing at, at St Mary's. They said they want to improve the match day experience and create a red and white wall. Uh, there's been a lot on social media about this, as you can imagine. I think there was uh, a, a meeting of um, a supporters group this week as well um, heard a few little bits about that obviously the proposal would involve moving away fans to a different part of the ground um, everybody's going to have a, a slightly different opinion on on how that's going to work certainly listening to the, the the people from the club over the years saying that that wasn't possible because of the buses and things it was um, a bit uh, out of the blue I think when they announced it um, what were your initial take your initial thoughts on that Glenn do you think it's, it's a good thing is the, the intention right or does it need to be thought out a bit more? Um, well, it obviously needs to be thought out fully, and that's why they're consulting, you know, various people. Um, from a logistics point of view, it'll be very, very interesting. Um, I had a thought not long after it got announced that, you know, they were talking about creating the atmosphere of a, a full away, uh, sorry, a full end of, you know, of red and white of Saints fans. But to me, moving the away fans up to the family end means you just sort of split the chapel end. So you're just moving the problem to the other end sort of thing. So, and I remember when we, when we were at the Dell and they did all the did all the changes for the Taylor Report and all that sort of stuff, the Archers Road end became home fans only and the away fans got moved to the side in the West Stand, I think. It's sort of east, like in the West Stand. East. Oh, the East, was it? But they, they got moved to the side, so they 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 couldn't be as big an influence on the you know mm. when they were attacking down that end sort of thing. So I don't know if it's logistically possible, but you know I would like the away fans to be stuck in either the Kingsland or the Itchin. Um, I'm not sure the Itchin is possible because of the um, you know because of the hospitality bit and obviously the the dugouts and whatnot over that end. Having away fans behind the dugouts is never a good thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember one particular incident with um, involving Graham Ricks when uh, they were rebuilding their ground and I was at Chelsea in the away end directly behind the dugout. That was uh, that was entertaining too. You can't have that. But I, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see how it works out. I think Alfie's raised concerns about um, being sort of like worried about people being forced if you like, from cheaper areas of the ground and having to pay more money through mm. no fault of their own, you know, I, I th- broadly, I think it's a it's a it's a good thing, and we'll 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 see how it works out. I'm sure all the uh, hopefully the right decisions will be made, and and the people who want to sort of like stand up in the safe standing bit can all be uh, can all be accommodated. But uh, I think there's a lot of uh, water to go under the bridge before it becomes a reality. Because to be honest, we're you know, moving the away fans up the up the to where the family stand is now, I, I kind of thought, well, I can see a few issues with that. Mm. What were your thoughts on that, Steve? Do you think it, it, it's going to happen? Obviously, safe standing is something that the club has spoken about before, and I, I, I think you you can't charge any more money, you can't fit any more seats in. You just end up with a lot of work that you have to do on the ground and and no extra additional capacity because it's still one stander per seat so um yeah. it, it, there's, there's not a lot it's just the atmosphere which is is the main benefit i, I assume yeah i mean I, th- I mean ultimately with the rail seats the rails that they would they would install in sort of in amongst the existing rows of seats essentially what you're doing is uh creating an actually licensed standing area I mean, obviously, we know that Northam has stood since the ground has opened. Mm. Um, there have been various failed attempts by stewards to try and get Northam to sit down over the years, which have never worked. And in the end, the local council just basically turned a blind eye to it, which I think was always was always the, the likely outcome. But doing it this way, where you've got a dedicated bit, where also everybody who's buying tickets in that, in that area knows that it's standing. And knows what experience they're going to have in that in that environment. So, I think it's good from that perspective in terms of making sure everyone is kind of everyone is sort of fully aware and fully eyes wide open when they buy a ticket for for the Northern Stand. You're going to be standing. It's and or if you want to sit, you ain't going to be able to see. 
mm. and nobody's gonna nobody's gonna come to your rescue and and have stewards saying to the people in front of you sit down um because that's not what that section is going to be about now doing the whole stand and kind of moving the away fans the problem the problem with that from a logistical perspective is that there are a lot of people that go to the game and have chosen their season ticket seat specifically so they are next to the away fans whether that's in the northern or whether that's in the itching and all that's going to happen with those people is that they are going to up up sticks and move to wherever the new away section is moved to i mean i think I think logistically the most sensible place is probably the, where the family section is now in the Kingsland um, Chapel Corner because you've then got the the exit way through the to get the coaches place. out, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, all that, and all that sort of stuff. I think that that makes a fair bit of sense. So do you think they're just going to end up with the same problem, but you just turn the ground around? So the, the... Um, kind of, but you'll but you'll theoretically have where you've got the safe standing at at, at the northern end there will be people who will be attracted to that and will say, okay, right, well, we will make this home, this end a quote-unquote home end and that will be kind of where hopefully people want to generate some atmosphere from. But you're also going to have the same thing either side of the away end. Mm. So, I mean, maybe, maybe that's a benefit. Maybe that's actually going to persuade more people that they um, to be in an area where you're generating an atmosphere rather than just consuming it. Um, so may, maybe it works from that perspective. I mean, I'm frankly, I'm amazed that the police have even kind of considered this, given, as you said earlier, that over the years, there's been, like the club has been asked about this so many times about, mm-hmm. oh, why why, is the, why do the away fans get, get a prime part of the ground to, um, and I mean, the, the limbs, whenever we can see the last minute equaliser or winner, at the northern end in the second half just like we've had that since since the ground opened in 2001 and the club has been asked about why why do we keep giving keep giving the um the away fans that area and their fob off answer has always been well the police won't let us put the away end anywhere else mm-hmm. so for this to come now kind of either i mean either the police have changed their minds which seems unlikely to me or basically everybody who has been in charge of such decisions in the past has been lying. So, yeah, I mean, interesting one to ponder that one, I think. I do worry what people are going to talk about at the fans' forums if they if they do it, because that's obviously one of the questions which always comes up. Um, Eleanor, I just train can't station. help but think... Always <laughs> a train station. <laughs> and James Ward-Prowse's testimonial. Um, Eleanor, I can't <laughs> help but think that I'm a bit too old now. I remember going to the uh, Reading away game just before the, the start of the season, the friendly, and then being really annoyed that I had to stand up for the whole game. But is that something that appeals to you, like the safe standing? Can you can you see the, the benefit in that and, and the improvements in the atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, the main thing for me is I think... Definitely this season it has been better, but I think we do need like a really proper home atmosphere because it is like a thing, like I don't really like sort of like having quite like a quiet home atmosphere. I mean, it's definitely been better this season. Obviously, like when the football has been awful, like last season, especially like the Forest game, Nathan Jones period, Ruben set is like, obviously people aren't going to be like being really loud. But I mean, I'd like, I'd like safe standing really, but yeah, it's just, I don't know I just the main thing is just improving the atmosphere which I think like we've definitely started to do and for people to be like a bit more vocal sometimes because I always end up sitting around lots of families that just kind of sit there for the whole game so <laughs> it's not really like a big big atmosphere but yeah just goals in it early goals and winning games yeah. that's all we need really <laughs> save a fortune I think it's a debate which will run and run but but in a good way. And I look forward to seeing what the outcome will be. That's pretty much it for this week's episode. So thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Thanks again to Pitta Self Drive for sponsoring the episode as well. Uh, don't forget they offer cars, vans, trucks and minibus hire for flexible short-term or long-term rentals with 24-hour drop-off service. And they're offering TSP listeners 10% off their rentals with the code TOTALSAINTS. That's all one word. You can use that code when you're booking online or quote the code when you're booking over the phone. And to find out more or to get in touch, just head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk or give them a call on 02380 
474443. Uh, don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on all the social media platforms. Just have a search for at Total Saints Pod. We do enjoy hearing from you throughout the week. Uh, you can also drop us an email if you like via the website if there's something you need to share or just maybe get something off of your chest. Uh, you'll also find us on Patreon. That's where I mentioned uh, at the start you can support the podcast with those monthly contributions. It's patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. And there are four tiers on there ranging from £5 to £20 per month. Each of the tiers comes with different perks. There's weekly shout outs for the patrons in our Francis Benali and our Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron, Nikki Nicholson, Southampton NY, Drew Dyer, James Kibbe and Mike E who are in the Francis Benali tier. And also a big thank you to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Nick Reed. Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrup, Matt Hall, and Mark Littlewood, who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, Eleanor, thank you for coming on. Um, where can we find you on Twitter if we want to give you a follow or uh, read some of the pieces that you've written? My app's awful. So, I mean, it's here on the <laughs> on the live stream. I, I never changed it, and it's just an awful long bit of numbers. It's, it's, so. it's like your first surely, email address. <laughs> yeah. Surely people think you're a bot. I know I just never changed it and then I get tagged in things I think well I can't change it now so yeah <laughs> well, we'll, we'll give you a follow anyway thank you for coming on thanks for joining us uh, this week thanks again for watching thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.